Greetings and salutations to you all. This is Dee Dee Moonflyer. Welcome to Twilight Tonic, your weekly voyage to points distant and parts unknown. We'll discuss all things paranormal, spiritual, weird, and wonderful. So if you're ready, grab your favorite tonic, your best comfy chair, and let's begin. excited on Twilight Tonic. If you enjoy my content, please share this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe. Tonight, oh my goodness, I'm overjoyed. I have Sarah Best on here, and we're going to discuss something that always has interest interest me. And I can't help it. She's got a lovely name. Her, Sarah, her name is Sarah Best, and she owns Conjured Cordea, Hoodoo and Voodoo, Conjure and Root Work. I don't know a lot about this, only little bits, because my brother is really into all of this. And she does things like incredible bone readings, tower readings, and spell work. Sarah, how are you tonight? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking your time out to come on Twilight Tonic. Of course. It's my pleasure. I have a couple of questions. And my first one is, everyone has a story. What connected you to what you do today? Um, I, I used, I, well, I grew up with folk magic in my family mm-hmm. and varying practices of it as most Americans, I think, if they really look into um how they grew up or maybe being around their grandparents or, you know, being around extended family. I think most people will find that they have some folk practices woven in there. Um, And, and most of us have it from several areas just since Mm -hmm. the majority of us are not of one background ethnically or culturally. So um, while I was raised with um, a lot of different folk magic and folk practices, um, I did have a very um, difficult and traumatic childhood, which is not, you know, nothing terribly unusual, right? unfortunately. <laughs> but um, I did um, find magic as a way to um, have liberation and empowerment, uh, um, something that I didn't feel as a child and something that I gained through magic and it allowed me to control my reality and control my circumstances beyond what my parents were controlling for me. Okay. That makes sense. How old were you when you recognized that? Oh, I quite young. I would say probably um, seven I, I would say probably seven. I had um neighbor, there were two neighbor girls that lived next door. Um, later on, they had a sister and a brother, but I didn't really um, get to, I didn't really spend time with them. They were much younger than I was. Um, and they also had um, a difficult household. And um, we had a, we had a white pine tree on our property line. And I remember sitting under that white pine tree and making them, you know, different mojo bags to help protect them, you know, from what was happening in their household. So, yeah, so it was a very inherent, um, skill set or, or art, I guess, that, um, just naturally developed. And I know you have studied hoodoo and voodoo and root work. And I know there is a difference between New Orleans voodoo and Haiti voodoo. Can you explain the two differences? Yes. So um, Haitian voodoo usually requires an initiation. So when you see people talking online about how, um, you know, you can't practice um, voodoo unless you are initiated, um, that is they're typically um, not aware of New Orleans voodoo, which Mm -hmm. is really interesting because this is typically 
um, people who live in the United States talking about this, but it is, it, it's, it, people have typically only heard of Haitian voodoo and not New Orleans voodoo. And so um, that's kind of where the confusion lies. New Orleans voodoo is a practice that not only um, involves every color and cultural background and race and ethnicity of people, but you also do not have to be um, initiated to participate in New Orleans voodoo mm. rituals, such as like St. John's Eve and things like that. If you look up pictures of St. John's Eve, or even if you look up New Orleans voodoo, we just had um, New Orleans voodoo like International Day, and um, you'll see uh, the entire spectrum of color of people represented there. So there, there are some very significant differences, and that those those are the those are the two biggest differences. Not to say that, um, like our current uh, reigning voodoo queen, Sally Ann Glassman, uh -huh. she's initiated in Haitian voodoo, and she is white. So it's not that you cannot be in. It's not that you cannot be initiated right. if you are of a different ethnicity because you most certainly can. And that is, she's been our, I God, I don't know how long Sally Ann's been our, um, our current queen decades. Interesting. So, yeah. Huh. Now I know like I have family members from the South that talked about root work in mediumship. Mm -hmm on one side, especially Arkansas, Louisiana area. Yeah. What exactly, for my audience, what exactly is root work? I think that most people who consider themselves pagan or a witch, mm -hmm. which, you know, not you can be both or you can be either or, or I think your audience is very well versed in that, I'm sure. Um is are probably already practicing root work that may just not be their word for it. So um, it is, if you're using an earth magico system, as in you're using, you know, roots or bones or herbal materi materia um, to, for divination or to, um, you know, set up a grid on your altar or to create a charm bag or a mojo bag, mm -hmm. you are already practicing some type of root work. It, we just have different, you know, you, some people call it, there's, you know, Southern conjure, um, you know, root work, other people, you know, maybe they call it herb magic or that is, these are all just like regional names for the same thing, in my personal opinion. Um, you know, s s someone may have a, um, a, a better explanation of that, but I really, um, it, it, when it comes down to it, it really is, is all the same thing. And most of us in the pagan witch community are already practicing it in right. some form. There may be, I may rely a little bit more heavily on actual roots as in harvesting them, harvesting them myself. Mm -hmm. That um, that's a big part of my personal practice, but I'm certain anybody practicing, you know, hedge witchery or green witchcraft is probably right. also doing the same thing. Interesting. Also, I'm fascinated a little bit because I don't understand it. Um, my brother has a good grasp on it. I do not is hoodoo. Mm -hmm. And the origins of hoodoo in how does it differ from voodoo in root work? So uh, hoodoo would be considered a type of root work. Um, where I would say it because it is not because this is a magical system. It is not a religion. Okay. So that is the difference. So hoodoo is something that you could you could be you could practice voodoo or be vodun and practice hoodoo. Mm -hmm. um, but there are plenty of people in the South who are Catholic or Christian that absolutely practice hoodoo and they use a lot of. Um, especially Psalms from the Bible, mm -hmm. that is, can be a very, very heavy part of it, depending on the type of hoodoo you practice. That's interesting. So, yeah. So it is, it's got, 
uh, I'm not going to say they don't have anything to do with each other. They're commonly practiced together, voodoo and hoodoo, especially in um, Louisiana, in New Orleans, because what happened is you had this beautiful, let's call it a gumbo pot. Let's not call it a, let's not call it a mixing pot because we don't want anything to lose its identity in this pot. Right. Right. We, so we don't want to call it a mixing pot or a melting pot because we don't want anything to melt away into anything else. We want everything to remain completely individual and you get the flavor and the texture and the history of that ingredient. Right. Right. So let's take ingredients from American Indians who are there, which there are many tribes that are in Louisiana. Let's take, you know, African ingredients. Let's take Irish ingredients. Let's take Jewish ingredients, because these were all people coming through that area. And traditions were shared as a coping mechanism, which is common with marginalized people. Marginalized okay. people will band together and they will share their recipes and their secrets and their folk magic oh. and their traditions. And this is how hoodoo is born as a native folk magic tradition to the United States. Interesting. That's why when I talked to my brother, he mentioned Mama Bridget. Yes. Because we're just yes, one of my favorites. Her day is coming up. On, yes, yes. Yeah. February 2nd. Yep. Yeah, that's and really because interesting. It's a big one for everybody because you have, so you have Maman Brigitte and then you have, you have, you know, St. Breed, which I list, just listened to your interview with Christopher Penzak because I love yes. him. Oh, I and do too. And then I heard, I heard you talking about um, her on that interview. And then of course it's, you know, it's in bulk and, um, and then you have, you know, you have the, the goddess, you know, counter, uh, counterpart, a breed and the saint counter counterpart. So it's a big holiday coming up for everyone. I feel like in some capacity. <laughs> that sorry about that. My, That's okay. My producer came in. I really enjoyed talking with him too. He he has written so many amazing books. Yes, he was. I was definitely. Um, he was, he was a top author of mine in my, in my early twenties for sure. Yeah. I, and I love where they built the temple. Yes. Like yes. I, 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 I get over to that part of the country, you know, fairly regularly. And I think, man, I got to stop in there though. Yeah. I, I am like, I'm looking forward. Hopefully I'll get to go this year, but I like it because it's outside of the touristy areas. And yeah. I know, I know those are important and, and Salem, Massachusetts has done a great, great justice toward the pagan community, obviously, Yeah, but they kind of set it away from that. So there was, there's gotta be a great sense of peace in that temple. Oh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure of it. So, you know, with all of this, how do you see your particular belief system changing over the years? You've been in this 25 years or more. How is this changing to, oh, to more modern boy. time? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, God, boy, it has changed. Um, 25 years ago, there were, and I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm sure that you would agree with this. Um, there were absolutely zero books on hoodoo or african-american folk magic or i mean there was just not only was there none of that but there wasn't even a brown or black person being represented on a tarot deck or a pagan or witchcraft book right so that just wasn't that would that was not a thing 25 years ago so i i know a lot of um people my age get like really um like, I was going to use the term boomer, but you can take that out. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, I, they get really upset. It's like, oh, you know, these like whippersnappers are doing everything on TikTok and nothing's secret anymore. And it's like, I think that um, 
this growth has been so wonderful because of the representation it's brought uh-huh. with it. Sure. Are there more people talking about it? And therefore, are there more people butting heads? Yeah. But wouldn't we rather talk about it? Wouldn't we rather mm-hmm. get the representation out there? Wouldn't we now, wouldn't we want books now on, you know, for gay witches? Wouldn't, of course we want that, right? We right. want this, we want this to expand and be inclusive, not divisive and hoarding this information, you know, because, you know, I, I hate to say it, but hoarding the information, we're mm. all kicking the bucket one day. Yeah, we so, need to pass, people need to pass y- that down. Yeah, if, if you don't, it, it's, it's share it or lose it. And if you think that you're, I hope people feel that their beliefs are important enough to get over that and and share them. That's yeah. that's what I hope. I hope that they think enough of themselves to be able to do that. And I think social media sometimes does help ease the idea that voodoo hoodoo and root work is not things of horror movies. Oh yes, for sure. Yeah, that's been a that's been a hugely positive part of it. You know, I think people are starting to understand now that, you know, voodoo dolls are not something you use to like stick pins in and kill people (laughs) you know what I mean I think I think we're starting to like move past that which is great because it's really hard to educate somebody about a huge huge religion that spans not only multiple continents but we're talking about something that you know there are some research researchers that say that this has been around for you know tens of thousands of years, a hundred thousand years in some way, shape or form voodoo has been. So now, you know, don't quote me on that. That is just, you know, I've I've read some, some researchers say that, but it's like, it's not like it's this, it's not like it's this small thing. It is a huge, huge, huge actual like recognized religion. And so people, people should know about it and respect it and not be fearful of it. Now, obviously, voodoo has African roots. Mm-hmm. Does it have other roots too? It has. It does have a Catholicism mix. Is that because they tried to convert them into Christians, so they just intermix them? Yeah. So, um, in in um, I think that that was probably happening not just in New Orleans, but other places in the South where, um, and certainly the, and certainly there were, um, you know, uh, slavery in other parts of the country and not just exactly, you know, the, the States right on the very South, but, um, it was, uh, illegal for them to practice their beliefs, but they could practice Catholicism. So that is why you will see the Orisha or the Loa, um, coincide with a saint that's why each one has a saint that that belongs to it so because it was a lot of people would you know say oh you know i'm catholic on sunday but i'm voodoo the rest of the week so it's it's um that that's one way they could get around that was associate an orisha or a loa with with a a saint counterpart could you explain to people what an orisha in a in the loa is well, um, so your loa is going to be, um, let's see how let's see how simple I can I can make this. If in Voodoo you have loa L W A, mm-hmm. in Santeria, or there are other um, Caribbean forms of that, uh, you will have Orisha. So they will have very similar names, like you have Oshun, and then you have um, um, Oshun, which is O-X-U-M. Mm-hmm. They'll have very, very, you'll have Yemeya and Yamanja. They have very, very similar names, but it is more of a um, Caribbean or Mexican influence where you will have an Orisha. So okay. as in like Santeria, that's a very, 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 very simple explanation. Um, there are many people who use them interchangeably. There are many people who worship um, both aspects of the one, because what we're looking at overall, maybe maybe this will help some people listening, is typically the Orisha or the Loa 
are an anthropomorph- anthropomorphization of an element. Okay. So if you are looking to work with, say, like, let's look at for right and just for right now, since Maman Brigitte's day is coming up, mm-hmm. let's look at her and then her her Orisha counterpart would be Oya. So this is like um well, you have Maman Brigitte that rules the the cemetery gates and that transition. Um Oya is more like winds and hurricanes and like blowing in change that way. So they're both about transition and transformation. Okay. It's just sort of the force or the representation or the symbol behind it that might be slightly different. But like, you know, Yemiya and Yamanja, those are both of the ocean. So mm-hmm. it, it's like, it's an elemental, it's an elemental force that you're, that you're working with that has then been personified by people, right? Because that's right. what we, that's what we have to do as people. We have to make it relatable to us. So we have to make it look like us. We have to give it a body. We have to, you, you know, we have to assign things to it. Yes, absolutely. That's so interesting. <clears throat> wow. How, how did it change your life as you mature in years? I know certain things have changed a lot for me as I'm Gen X. So as time goes on, whatever I do has changed me quite a bit. Has this changed Mm. you for the stronger and the better? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think that, I mean, I've just um, practiced some form of magic. I mean, for just, I I mean, a huge, huge, huge portion of my life um, that I, I think (laughs) it's, changed me as in I can't imagine my life without it because it's just normal everyday practice for me. Yeah. It's normal every day to, you know, get up and in pour offerings and give offerings and give prayers and acknowledge my elements and, you know, my Orisha and my Loa and um and nature spirits also. Oh, yeah. I'm just I'm very I'm very aware of um like dwelling spirits, the spirits that are in my home and around my home. Um I can't imagine um I I I can't imagine that not being part of my life just because it's just that's just like I don't even think I don't have to think about it, you know? So right. um I can't so in a, I guess, you know, I don't know. I guess maybe I was just born like this and I would just innately um wanted that type of beauty and practice and ritual in my life. And maybe um, it's not for other people, but it's definitely for me. And I can't, um, um, I, I definitely can't imagine being any other way. I also think it's made me very um, empathetic and understanding yeah. to people of other belief systems since mine is so, um, it, it's, it's still, you know, let, let's be honest, it's still fairly oppressed and it's mm. definitely not mainstream. And if I, you know, if somebody is asked, oh, well, what church do you go to? And I tell them <laughs> I don't, and I tell them what I do. It's not like they know what I'm talking about. So, right. you know, yeah. there's, there's definitely, even though I feel much more connected and in tune with other people, I'm still also very cut off from other people. My life is not like theirs at all. Right. I was going to ask you how the community around you feels. Are they welcoming or do they distance themselves due to like a lack of understanding? They they love it. And as a matter of fact, it is the reason I wasn't really um, set on having children. It could happen for me or if it wasn't going to happen, that was fine. I didn't grow up with a pressure to have children. And when I found this community and they were so accepting of me as a person and then my profession, mm-hmm. it absolutely sealed the deal that this is where I wanted to have children if I was going to do it. So I had two That's children awesome. here. Oh, and, awesome. Um, uh, yeah, so my they are not only welcoming, but have done everything in their power to make sure that I was successful. 
Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Yes. And it rare. Really is. Oh, it's so rare. I, I, I wish I wish everybody could experience it even for just a short time. I know it would be amazing because you hear so many stories about others that the community did not accept what they did. Yeah. And yeah. as we know, trying I'm, these businesses are is very difficult in some places. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's definitely, I, I don't think my city is the place to have a storefront. So I've never done that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I run a production space and I have an office and I have an area for ritual, um, of course. But um, I, I I don't think my city is made for, um, not yet anyway, a right. store like mine. Um, and that's personally just not where I'm interested in, in investing my energy at this right. time anyway. So, But you do have a store online where people can oh, yes. learn. Oh, and, yes. Yeah. Yep. We just celebrated our 15th year, November awesome. 18th of last year. Thank you. Thank you very much. So do you and who do you do in work? Do you guys have animal familiars? Yeah, I think I, I, you know, I don't know if people, so let me, so I'll probably, I'm going to bring up something that's probably going to be like a little bit of a controversial subject. Of course. So I think that it's, um, so with, um, we do use animal bones, you know, and we do offer, um, animals as as offerings Mm -hmm. a lot there are definitely practices where you know a an animal that they raise and that they have cared for and has been raised for this specific thing is um used in offering before a ceremony so i think that it is difficult for people to understand being able to love animals and then also having a a practice that may or may not, or could involve that. Right. And I, uh, and I understand why that seems um, like counterproductive or counterintuitive. Um, but I just, I think the, I think it's Im- important to acknowledge the, the way that animal was treated and the way it was raised and that it's not wasted. And that is an ultimate sign of respect. So it's not that animal would be absolutely 100% consumed during that ceremony. It's um, any products that would be thrown away from a typical meal will be used in some way. Um, so, uh, it, I, I, so I think it might be difficult maybe for the public to understand that we could have animals that we care for and then also um, do this. But I think that... <sighs> Personally, I think it's worth to consume something that you have no idea where it came from and you end up wasting a lot of it. So, and I, and I'm, like I said, I know it's controversial and I'm going to leave that there. I'm not judging anyone. I'm just asking people to just think about where, where, where food comes from and there's different ways that it comes to us. And I, I think now I, it's hard for me because I'm vegan, but yeah. Oh, I oh, I totally get it. My assistant for seven years was vegan. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I get it, but I also do get that this is a very ancient system. Yeah, and in tribes, particularly sacrificing an animal. Yes, because they lived off these animals. They drank right. their milk. Some have even drank blood for nourishment and right. ate them. Right. Right. These are ancient cultures we're talking about to celebrate and to make that ultimate sacrifice of something they held so dear for life. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Offered. It's something that, you know, may have taken days and days and days to obtain or weeks to obtain, right. you know, something that, you know, they were, you know, they, they probably went hungry for a while trying to get it you know, and trying to get it together. So whether it was, you know, getting enough milk together or getting enough this or getting enough that. So I appreciate you being able to um, at least entertain that aspect of it because it really is 
um, that really is something that we want to convey. And it really is an important aspect that it's not like, you know, we just made this up and decided to start doing it today. It's, it's, and, and it's like, and I understand that there are, um, there are certain some things, there are certain things in magic where, um, you know, I would say, oh, that would be cruel to do that now. And I would never use that practice now. But I also don't want to just completely whitewash everything and remove everything that is uncomfortable. Right. Because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't fit in today's society. I still think we should learn about the, the traditions. You don't have to practice it, but I think we should learn about it. I think it would give the person that's interested a better understanding of what they were practicing if they would go back and read everything they need to read to better understand themselves and why they're attracted to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people are taken by, you know, seeing somebody online dressed beautifully with the black eyeliner and the dresses or the voodoo queen, glamorous Mm -hmm. voodoo queen. It goes so Mm -hmm. far beyond that. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. These predate Christianity. Oh, yeah. Well, I think (laughs) most religions do. Yeah, (laughs) very true. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Like, you know, maybe everything but what, Scientology? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I don't, they don't like to, I don't, I don't think that that's, you know, easily acknowledged, but it is fact. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) And it's really interesting because the church has used so much of those ancient practices to convert oh, yeah. the African tribes, the yeah. island tribes, and the pagans Oh yes. in Europe. I mean, all of their holidays center around a lot of those ancient holidays that they had. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, yeah, it's like a, you know, it's like trickery and manipulation and if you can't beat them join them all at once you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. so it's like i mean you know i get i i i get i get that they thought it was for the best yeah that most of them probably thought it was for the best and i and i understand that sentiment um not what i would do but also i didn't live then things were different very not making it not making any sort of excuse for you know converting or forcing people or anything because i'm certainly not doing that (laughs) in your practice you obviously your children are around that and they're very supportive of you Mm -hmm. how did you know i don't know really how to ask this question i was fine because i didn't have children Mm -hmm. i know how i would have raised my children obviously, but I would have introduced them. My mother was a person that introduced me. She was Catholic. And it was interesting because before you make your final step, when you're about 13, to go ahead and dedicate yourself to the Catholic Church confirmation. Right, right. She asked, she goes, is this what you want? And That's a a wonderful thing to ask a child. And she took me to a Hindu temple. She took me to a mosque. She took me to a Wiccan ceremony. She took me to a metaphysical shop because she studied Edgar Casey, The Course of Miracles, and yeah. she she did automatic writing. And she goes, I don't care what you do. As right. long as you choose something spiritual for the better good. Yeah. And yeah. we all did. I mean, we chose different things. Sure. Um, obviously, I had a great respect for the Catholic Church because it kind of, they do so many ceremonies that are very familiar to me. Oh, yes. I'm very, I, I have many, many, um, two of my best friends, one of one of my assistants was uh, raised Catholic, and then she's my best friend, and my, I have another uh, best friend who's Catholic, and I have a lot of Catholic practices yeah. just in mine, um, just because of, you know, practicing New Orleans voodoo. So it's so much of it is so beautiful. Yes, absolutely. In raising your children, obviously, you expose them to your whole belief system. Mm-hmm. And how did the community around you 
or your family, how did they consider that? Were they okay with that? And I, I don't want to bring it up as something bad or negative. I'm just very oh, curious. No. Um, I think um, my my uh, husband was raised Pentecostal, and his parents are still are they're they're no longer Pentecostal, but they're very strict Baptists. Oh. Um, and when I say Pentecostal, they were like no TV, no holiday, um, wow. you know, no no cutting your hair, no makeup no secular music, none of that. Mm -hmm. And um, now they know about me because I've never hidden it. Because for one, I worked out of my house. I've worked out of my house for 15 years. Mm -hmm. So my, and my beliefs are physically represented all over my house. And not only that, but I'm making orders for other people that have similar belief systems as I do, because I'm creating the tools for them, right? So there was no way, not that I would hide it because I wouldn't, um, I, but there was no way to do that. Um, I'm, you know, his parents are very, you know, love the sinner and hate the sin type of people. Mm. So um, while they are very kind to me, I also absolutely without a shadow of a doubt know that they um, are certain that I'm going to hell. And that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's you know it's you know that that saying is yes <laughs> it's not my it's 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 not my business what anybody thinks about me yes and that's and and that's that's where I'm at with that my um my children are happy being raised around it I've never forced them to participate if they took one of my books and wanted to read it I let them sure um you know if they ever had any questions I would be happy to help them um, sometimes I have, you know, ritual meetings and they'll hang out just because I've got an awesome group of sisters that I've I've had a group with for, you know, 20 years um, who wouldn't want to hang out with us. And uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, I, I let them choose their own thing. Right now, they seem pretty agnostic or atheist mm-hmm. um, and they can remain that way. And they could still use magic if they wanted to at some point, because you don't have to, you know, you, you certainly don't have to um, have a pantheon to, to, to make magic. Right. So um, I'm, 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 I'm fine with all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm really don't, I, I'm, I'm fine with everything, whatever they want to do. If they're happy and fulfilled and healthy, I I could not care less what they choose to do spiritually or religiously. And I get that. That's that's wonderful. I, I really I love that. Well, it sounds like you had a very um well rounded and supportive mother oh, yourself. Yeah. She so. was she was really an interesting lady. Um she sounds. She was very open and in any gifts that we had was just considered part of nature, part of life. Absolutely. So when I went to school, I thought it was normal to see oh, yes. dead people. I similar experiences. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, telling all my sure. friends that's normal. And yeah. I said, well, what do you mean? You don't do that? You don't see that? And my mom had to sit me down. She goes, now, honey, because <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was the 80s. Okay. Oh, yeah. They're like, you can't go to school and talk about that. Right. Because right. people think you're crazy. I know oh, you're yeah. not crazy. And, you know, yeah. we had fears of anything. I mean, yeah. yeah, she was, I mean, yeah, she was, you know, protecting you. There's some people where that would really, yeah, that would be a problem. That would be a big problem, especially in an, in, as an institution like a school, you know. Oh, yeah. So. And she read runes and the whole nine yards. I mean, she was pretty incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So I had a very... She celebrated gifts like that. Yeah. But then she also had a great grandfather that was extremely Catholic that read tea leaves and was a bootlegger and talked about the imps in the barn. So. Right. Right. It's just all interesting. If people wanted to practice and they wanted their first book, what book would you recommend, Sarah? Oh, my gosh. Oh, Lord. Um, uh, the, I would recommend the book Jambalaya by, um, Louisa Tish. 
that is that is that is what I would that is anybody who learns from me that is that's the first book they get there are many 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 others after that um I would say like currently that's a that's a very old book Mm -hmm. um you can definitely still get copies of it though on Amazon um or you know wherever you want to buy it at you're not going to find it at your local bookstore I can tell you that you're not going to find it at Barnes and Nobles you're going to have to find it online because it's old but um I would say currently, if you wanted to get into some really like niche stuff with a current author, I would author. I would say Denise Alvarado. Okay, is uh, really just is putting out just a ton of awesome stuff. If anybody wants to learn more about Marie Laveau and sort of the folk spirits and folk saints mm-hmm. of uh, New Orleans, she's a great she's a great author. And there's there's many in between, but those are those are an awesome start because you get the you get the back to the basics, and then you start getting into like super niche folklore. So, and what would you recommend them staying away from? Oh God. Oh, I know that's an odd question, but yeah, I won't. I, 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 it's good that I can't name names because I wouldn't want to anyway. I would stay away from books, um, that the cover says anything like, you know, a hundred money spells or a hundred love spells or <laughs> that's in you know, yeah, that's in all of it. Guys. I would I would stay away from anything that is um now you can buy those later on. Mm-hmm. Uh you can you can buy those later on, but in the beginning it's really important. I, I will say um to go to refer back to something we were speaking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um I would say that's a little bit of kind of an issue with it being, um, you know, really um, popular right now is that uh, the basics are getting skipped over. And I I see a lot of, um, and I get what people want to do. I get that they want to control their lives and they want to manifest certain things for themselves. I get it. Um, But there are, there are basics you have to learn in order to be able to do those things. And it's not just reading a spell out of a book. Right. So unfortunately that's what that's going to get you is frustrated and you're going to give up and you're going to think none of this is real, but it's because you haven't learned the foundational steps of how to, how, how to make those words and those ingredients work for you. And that's, that's the thing. And do you think, I I think sometimes when people get those books, they automatically think it's going to happen. Do you think sometimes they're playing with fire? Um, well, I don't believe in, I don't believe in backfiring. I, so I'm not sure if that's like what you're referring to, but I'll, I'll just give like my little synopsis on okay. that. I don't, I don't believe in like a spell backfiring because I don't, at least this is, this is my take on it. Okay. My um, deities or spirits are not vengeful. I am not going to get punished for asking for help and I'm okay. not going to get punished for asking for something that I want. Um, They may make it, uh, difficult for me so that I go back and try to learn to do it the correct way because I'm kind of cheating by skipping steps. Will I be, (laughs) will I be punished? Like, Mm -hmm. as in like, will the exact opposite thing I wanted to happen with that spell happen to me? If I'm, you know, if I'm asking for, you know, someone, you know, to be healed, um, well, you know, will I will I lose somebody for for asking for that because I didn't do it the right way? Absolutely not. I don't believe that because I don't. And there may be people out there who do worship uh, deities or spirits that are vengeful. I personally don't. So, of mm-hmm. course, their interpretation of this would be completely different. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. I personally I personally don't work with work with that type of energy. And I can tell you. I've performed a lot. I mean, I've been doing this almost 25 years as, as a professional and 15 years dealing with the online public. And I have a, a typically 
five to seven clients a week for spell work. And um, it's not all peaches and kittens. There's mm-hmm. a lot of times where I have to ask for justice and retribution and balance to be restored. And I can promise you, I've never once had any of that backfire and I've been punished for that. Okay. And I know there are so many different types of pagan belief system, which belief systems, what deities do you have on your altar? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, I'm standing right here at it. Um, I have um, I have St. Joseph here. Mm-hmm. My husband is a carpenter. And um, St. Joseph is somebody that um, I feel we have worked together successfully for the stability of our household. Um, I have a large statue of Marie Laveau right in the center of mm-hmm. it, as I am a devotee of hers. Um, and then I have um, Martha LaDominadora on mm. the right, which is some people will also put her in a category as the, there's a sect of spirits called the Mamiwaras. So um, she's um, uh, water spirits, but often worked with for um, control and compelling and, and, and domination, but I also just like the folklore of that sect of water spirits. And that's what I'm trying to honor, um, by having her, um, I've got a St. Expedite statue. I feel like anybody that's got anything to do with, uh, New Orleans voodoo has a St. Expedite (laughs) statue. We all, we, we all work with him. Um, I have a Papa Legba candle out because we Mm -hmm. just did a label for him for Papa Legba's day, which was January 14th. And I have a Maman Brigitte candle out. We just finished a label for her. Um, so I have a whole line of branded Novania candles. Um, so we just we just did one for her, obviously. Her day is coming up February 2nd. Right. Um, yeah, so those are the main those are the main ones on my working altar. I have I have many other altars, but that's the one that I do client work on and my personal work on. Okay. That's awesome. Wow. Do you um out of curiosity, when you cleanse your house, now do you use the sage and something else after sage? I know that's like a weird question, but so many people use sage, but they don't put anything back into that energy. Yeah. With, with your experience, how do you feel about that? Um, I'm not, I do, I, I do understand what you're saying. And I do agree with it, that there should be. So we would call that like a bitter and a sweet, like you can use a bitter herb mm-hmm. to chase things out or like cut through things. But then once that is removed or chased out or cut through, you have an empty energetic space and you need to fill it with something sweet so the negative doesn't come right back in. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So that's how we would, that's how we would like say that. So we would use like a bitter herb like sage and then we would use something sweet like maybe some deer's tongue or some Palo Santo or, um, you know, maybe like I'll, you know, like use part of a vanilla bean on charcoal or, you know, something like that. So I'm not, um, there's not just like this gaping energetic hole that's been cleansed out because I like to, I need to control the energy of my space because I'm making spiritual tools for people and because I'm performing root work for people. Um, I don't necessarily do that like in my house all the time because it's me and my family in my house and the energy is pretty neutral up there. But in my in my space where I'm dealing with, you know, things with my clients and it's like and you're dealing with whatever people are going through abuse or custody battles or homelessness or, you know, so you I, I need I personally have to control the energy here. Right. I get that. Yeah. And you don't want to bring their problems into your household. 
Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, exactly. So we, you know, I want to do like a good cleansing after that and then make sure like it's, you know, it's it's filled with sweetness and there's not just this like gap there. And I think that's a, I think that's, that's my approach to spell work also. And it's important for people to realize that, that, you know, we can, we can work to remove something for your life, but it's going to be really important that your mindset is correct and that you're going into this next phase with what you want to draw in and not just dwelling on what we just removed or else you're just going to bring it right back in. So yeah. it's it's really important to do one step and then to immediately do the next and really, really work on your mindset and your attitude and your choices. I'm very curious about one thing you do, which I had these done by Orion Fox many years ago. Mm-hmm. And it is bone reading. Yeah. And I think people are actually, some people get weirded out by it, but it is it is it an African tradition? Or I Caribbean? Think, yeah, I think that, um, you know, I think anywhere you go in the world, there will be somebody there that is, they're using um, bones or bits of fur or beads right. or um, dried roots as a divination system. And I, and I mean that literally with my whole heart, anywhere you go, if you get into the, the marginalized area, you will find somebody doing that profession and helping to guide their people. Right. So I don't want to say that it is, you know, strictly, and I think that sort of movies and the media show us that, that that's like, you know, you see like the, I'm not a, I'm not a big movie or TV person. I'm going to be honest with you, but I do see images online and it looks like, you know, there'll be, you know, an, an African character and, you know, they're the one always like reading the bones or something. And, right. Um, well, I don't like think that's inaccurate. I I kind of do because I think they're doing it everywhere. So. <laughs> I'm sure they um, did it in, um, in the in all of the ancient Nordic. Oh yes, oh oh yes. Anywhere they're probably doing it in the yeah. Himalayas with the you know the yaks that they live with, and I mean they're they're doing it everywhere. So it, it just happens, you know, and, it, and it's. I mean, it's a divination set built off the land, right? So if right. you're the Caribbean, it's going to have more, you know, you're going to have more crab shells in it, more seashells and more fish scales and maybe, you know, the the mermaid's purse, you know, the little shark, yeah. you, know, uh, yeah. you know, like it's going to have more stuff like that. It's because it's regional, right? So right. Um, I think it's, I, I, I think it's, I think it's everywhere. Mine is definitely an amalgamation Um of things I've just, well, I guess everybody's is, um, I, mine, I, I've been collecting pieces for mine for, you know, like 20, 25 years. So it's, it's got a lot of pieces by now. And, or sometimes you do like events and somebody gives you something. And so, you know, you sort of, you, the energy of that person, it, it's when you, when you cast with it and that piece comes up and you sort of remember the characteristics of that person, you know, and then that'll translate over to a reading for somebody and you'll go, you know, was there somebody like really like loving and giving and generous around you, you know, at this time? And they'll be like, oh yeah, it was, you know, uncle so-and-so, you know what I yeah. mean? So <laughs> I, I think it's really interesting to me. It looked very complicated. And very detailed. Yeah, yeah, I can see how it would. I I can see how it would look that way, and because I'm sure it looks very, very overwhelming. I think just yeah, it did. Um, the best way I can describe it is that um, when you do like a tarot card layout, and you know like how many cards you're going to lay out, it's going to be three or five, or you're going to do the Celtic cross spread or whatever you're going to do. Um, when you do bone throwing. So they'll, all the pieces will come out. I mean, once in a while you have a piece that like stays back in the, in the box that doesn't want to come out. And so you leave that in there, mm-hmm. but um, then, so they're all out, but just certain items or clusters will light up. And those are the ones you read. Mm-hmm. So you're not, and this is just for me that I can't speak for anybody else. 
Um, so you're not reading every single piece that's out there. Mine probably has over 100 pieces. It's just the ones that light up that are pertinent to that person that are going to tell you a story. Interesting. So certain bones mean certain things. Oh, yes. Yeah. Certain certain objects and, um, you know, like you'll have a, like you'll have a button and like if somebody depending on there's usually we have a figure that represents the person in the center. Okay. And then depending on sort of what quadrant things fall in or how near they are to the person is how we'll interpret them. But, you know, like say if, you know, somebody has like a button next to them, that's like, you know, that's connection, right? Think of what a button does. It holds two things together. So, and then you look a little bit beyond that, see what pieces are next to the button. And then that's going to tell you what the connection is you're talking about. So it's really, you know, I think, uh, I think a lot of people probably just did this when they were kids. You probably had a little collection of bottle caps and paper clips and marbles, and you probably carried it around and, you know, you had a lucky marble and, you know, you kept the paper clip because sometimes you needed to hold stuff together. I think everybody was innately sort of creating these as they were little. And I think we were all probably carrying them for one energetic reason or another, to be honest. Yeah, I think so too. I don't, maybe not everybody took it to the extent that I have, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I feel like, I just feel like it's innate. I, I really, really do. I feel like we all kind of had a little bone throwing collection started when we were kids. That's interesting. It, it it looks it looks very fascinating to me. I don't really wholeheartedly understand it, but it's yeah. I think you know. I don't know if I wholeheartedly understand any divination system. <laughs> to be honest, um, <laughs> I think it's just because it's like how, you know. How do you explain intuition to people? How do you explain when you knew something yeah. was going to happen? How do you explain when you knew somebody was going to call? How do you explain you know not sending your kids today kids to school one day because you you know you just something's off. You know you just can't explain it. You just you just are open about it and you sort of, without being pushy, let people know the messages you have for them. And then you just, they trust you. And so you can, so you can tell them more. Right. Interesting. And gosh, are you ever going to have a book out, Sarah? Um, well, hopefully, um, like, you know, we're in the editorial phase of, uh, I started, let's see, I finished it in 2022 mm-hmm. and then we're in the, we're in the editing phase. Um, so yes, I have a book in the, in the works. Oh my goodness. Right now. Yep. It's called The Way of Creedry. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it, I, I can't tell you when, but it's there. <laughs> you have to let me know when it comes out. Cause I'd love to have you back on to talk about the book. I would be delighted because it would be awesome. And oh my gosh, how do people get a hold of you, Sarah? Um, my website is shop.conjuredcardea.com mm-hmm. or you can email me. I do free consultations or free product recommendations for people who want are looking through my site. It can be kind of overwhelming, especially if you're new or you're trying to figure out how to try something or do something. Um, you can contact me at conjuredcardea at gmail.com. Okay. And you're also on YouTube. Um, she has these amazing TikTok clips where she talks about things and they're, they're really good guys. You need to check that out. Well, thanks. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on all of them. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm on YouTube. I'm on all of them. It's lately, it's been sort of astrological stuff per week. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely, uh, I try to, I try to keep it really educational. I try to make it a, um, one thing with running my site is that I never, uh, I wanted people to be able to go on the site and get really good traditional and historical um, information so they could, even if they didn't buy anything from the site, they could still take something with them. Gotcha. Yes. And it, it's a really nice site. I went on and I looked at it before interviewing you and I was like, this is a very easy site. Thank you. To shop on. 
And really, guys, you need to check her out. And like she said, get a hold of her. Get a reading done. They look amazing. Get a bone reading done. Guys, if you've (laughs) never had one, they're super interesting. Sarah, I want to thank you so much. You You were a joy to have on. Well, it's been my absolute pleasure, and it was delightful speaking with you. You have a good day. Hopefully our paths will cross at some point. Oh, I think they will. Take care. 